Oh, I got an idea. It's so exciting. Hold on. This is all the behind. Is this live? And that's the voice of former UFC champion Matt Serra. And I'm Chris Wyman. This is Won't Back Down, presented by Bio Accelerator. Matt Serra is a former UFC world champion, and he has the biggest upset of all time, defeating George St. Pierre. Um, knocked him out in the first round. He is the owner of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gym Serra BJJ, and he's the coach of the Serra Longo fight team. Um, so I wanted to talk to him because he was been a, he's been a huge role model in my life, some, a mentor for me. He was the first world champion from Long Island, so he kind of made being a world champion something that I believe that we could do. Um, he has coached me my entire career. He's been in my corner uh, for all my fights, and he uh, he's just the best dude. As 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 uh, I mean, super successful, lives the life that he. Um, you know, dreamed of and is just so down to earth. Um, so I, I get into the story about how he started MMA and how it was so different when he started as opposed to now, um, how mixed martial arts is such a big thing. It's on ESPN. But back then, the only way to learn MMA was, it wasn't even called MMA, but the only way to see fighting and to learn how to fight properly was to get certain VHS tapes. Um, so we get into that. Um, we get into Conor McGregor and his antics and how you don't want fame to change you. You got to stay grounded. That's pretty interesting talk. We get into Colby Covington and some of the UFC 268 uh, fights. So it's a lot of great stuff. So I hope you enjoy. But before we begin, I want to tell you about Won't Back Down's presenting sponsor, BioAccelerator. BioAccelerator is the world leader in stem cell therapy and regenerative medical research. Through the use of their powerful golden stem cells, they help patients heal from joint and orthopedic injuries, autoimmune disorders, spine and disc damage, and neurological trauma. I went to Medellin, Colombia to BioAccelerator to get stem cells. I got my whole body injected. Um, the most important thing, obviously, was my knee and my shin, where I had the incident happen in April, where I had a compound fracture. So they injected that all up with tons of stem cells, and it really is feeling so much better. So I just want to thank them again for sponsoring Won't Back Down. And without further ado, here's my conversation with my friend, Matt Serra. Matt Serra, one and only Matt Serra here on the Won't Back Down podcast. I can't believe it. How are we doing? I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be here <laughs> talking with you. I'm you know why? I don't know how long this thing goes, but I get to just sit down and talk to you. And I haven't, we don't hang out as much because you moved away. I know. I know. It's crazy for us to always be around each other for years. Literally, since I started MMA, you were the first gym I walked through, which was in 2000. And I think I came into your gym in 2007, 2008. So from that, how long has it been? So it's 2021. So it's 13 years, almost 13 years later. I've seen you all the time. You know, we get to see each other all the time. And then out of nowhere, I move. And uh, I break my leg and I haven't seen you. It was like seven or eight months before I had seen you when I just seen you last weekend in, at the Marine Combat in Jersey. That was fun, though. Lynch. Which is crazy. It was, it was fun to see everybody. And I had such a good time. I, I felt like such a I was fanning out just trying to because when you leave and you're gone for that long, you, even the people I wasn't even talking to that much that I would see in the gym all the time. You don't realize how much you miss them until, you you know. Yeah, I'm like, wow, I haven't seen him in forever. I haven't seen this guy in forever. It was it was nice to just see everybody again. 
it's crazy because you talk about when you first came in. It's like now you think about back then, and now you think about us now. And uh, I mean, now we got families and everything. Back then, neither of us had kids. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't know. That's strange. Like if you, it's like a time warp. All of a sudden, like with dads and husbands. Yeah, we like all grew up. We just grew up together. And exactly. Do what we love. Like it's really crazy. We are. We're so lucky, man. It's, we are uh, lucky. We are lucky. Are you doing any more acting? Are you have any more of that planned in the future? <sighs> or no? Or do you or no? Yeah, no, no. I have no, none of it planned. If someone comes to me with a part, I'm jumping in. Rory Karp put me in his film. Me and Aljamain in, in his movie, his first movie he's doing. Did you know he's doing a movie? Yeah, I heard about it. I heard it's yeah. called, um, what is it? Um, I heard it's called Straight to Redbox. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only fucking around. No, no, no. No, no, seriously. What is it called? I don't, I don't know. I don't know the name of it, but it, <laughs> but Rory is good. He's a good producer. No, first of all, Rory's awesome. I like the brief balls. For people that don't know, Rory, uh, what the fuck's his last? How do you pronounce his last? Carp. Carp. Rory is the uh, producer of or director. What is he? I think he's the producer. Maybe I don't know. What am I a fucking idiot? I think he's a producer uh, of Dana White looking for a fife. Yes. So yes. I've been dealing with Dory, Rory for a long time. And he, I, that's why I'm breaking his balls. I'm I know, sure yeah. whatever the, sh- the, the movie he's putting out, because I know Dean Thomas is in it. Yeah, yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, I don't know why Ray Longo's not in it. I don't know why you're not in it. Why are you not doing any movies? Because I don't want to do more. I wanna, I'm the only guy out there that wants to do less. <laughs> I might so, be there with you. I might be there with you. Like you said, dude, we're living the dream, man. The only other job I would like to do, and I think I told you this already, and it's funny, I have a meeting with, the, with an agent from WMA uh, about the voiceover work. I told you this, Weidman. I, mean, I, did, I did the voiceover commercial um, thing for the P3 protein. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I did something else with Tyron Woodley that I, I never got produced or whatever, but he did okay. look like the, 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 It was going to be the lead into the, his song of In and Out of Love, and it had me kind of talking to him. So anyway, I... When I did that thing for the P3 protein, I, I read like a line from Aljo and and I was in and out of a booth over here in Melville in Long Island, mm-hmm. uh, a few towns away. I went to this, the studio. I went in the thing. I read. The, I didn't even memorize it. I read the paragraph three times. I go, that's all we need. I go, holy shit. I found my fourth job. I went <laughs> Weidman. Dude, I listen. Let's be honest. Look at you and look at me. You could be the next action hero. You could be the next Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis. You could be like the next action star. There's not many. And listen, there's not many action stars under the five, round five, six. It's not happening. I'm not going to be a movie star. But with this voice, I don't know. I could maybe do something with it. Listen, I don't know. I don't know about today's. Well, I agree with you. You could do anything you want. You are one of the most talented people I know. Not to be open your nuts, but you are. You you're you you could you're the quickest witted person I know. Like if I had to pick one person not to have an argument with, it would be you because immediately I know I'm done. Other, you know what? I have to put my wife above you just because she beats my ass on a daily basis. We all know nobody's winning that argument. And that goes for anybody's way. I'm just, I'm with you. Right? There's nothing you can do, right? Even um, you. You're done? You know, I've been married 14 years now, man. Ain't that crazy? I was just talking about that. And I've been with my wife even longer than that. So, you know, you get, per- you, I think what the whole marriage thing is, 
and I talk about this with my wife a lot. It's not about like not fighting. It's about how quick you can make up. You don't want to go to bed angry. Don't you agree with that as a married man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the worst. It eats you up, man. Going to bed angry is a rough one. I agree. But, you know, everything's good on my home front. But you know what, Wyman? You were so damn back to your acting. When I seen you on that, on the Kevin. Kevin can wait. Yep. Kevin. I always get me. You always say Kevin can't wait. But he can wait. Uh, Kevin can wait. Yeah. Uh, Listen, you were so good on that as the as the as the uh like the the the, the dashing cop, like the the, yeah. the hero partner to the um who was jealous of you again? It was Kevin uh, that was jealous. Kevin James is jealous of me. It was Adam Sandler was my partner. That was so yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean I was the on, new man. partner. I, Kevin James and Adam Sandler were Sandler were partners for years, and then I was the new guy coming in. Kevin James <laughs> yes. had retired, and now he was jealous of me and my relationship with Adam Sandler as like partners. It's it's fantastic. It was fantastic. I agree. That was that's a, it was. It was I love doing that. But I will say, like I I agree. I actually do. I am a very big critic of myself, and but I will say I do think I did good on that. Um, but I will say I was nursed. I was I, I was taken care of. Um, they gave me a they gave me a um, an acting job. You know, character that I, was perfect for me. One, two. Um, I was able to be open and honest about how badly I suck at acting and how much I would need to learn from them, you know, and they were so cool. Like Adam Sandler and Kevin James. Well, Kevin James, I already knew we were friends. So I was cool about sucking around to him and not being afraid to, you know, be honest about that. Adam yeah. Sandler comes in, he flies in and, you know, this guy's been famous for 30 years. He's one of the best actors around. And uh, I'm like, this guy's going to hate me. I'm, why is he, He's probably looking at me like, why would I be wasting my time acting with this guy, you know? And uh, he was so cool. He was one of the most down to earth dudes I've ever met. Like right away, he was nervous. He was nervous because I guess he he had he hadn't done a sitcom in like twenty years where you're doing it in front of a live audience, and he didn't really know his lines, so he was panicking. And then, but like going back to on set when we were on set because them two are so comfortable acting on camera because yeah. that's basically what makes a good actor someone who could like talk like me and you were talking now but on camera you know yeah. and just make it like it's normal yeah they were so comfortable and made me comfortable and it just uh, it, it felt chill you got to memorize those lines though it's that's so hard. hard yeah that does not come easy for me i think i have this disease where there is something out there my sister told me she has it and i think i have the same thing if you if someone reads you if you have like lines you have to read and then you take your eyes off of it and you have to read it verbatim of what you just read and you have it memorized I can't do it. I always have to change one or two words in there. On I'm not doing it on purpose. It's just on accident. I can't say well, exactly what was written down. Quentin Tarantino wouldn't want you in one of his films then because he's big on his dialogue. I know. Well, these, How much the these, director is set. Some guys like to like, like say, ah, oh, you know, work with it and add your own flair. Other people are like, yo, I wrote this fucking line. I, I want know. that. You know? Yeah. Well, I get it. These authors, I mean, the, the, the writers, they spend like months writing this stuff and then you get an actor coming in and he just like changes it up on the spot. Hey, man. Talk about movies. I enjoyed the F out of this fucking new Dune movie. You watch Dune yet? The new Dune? Doom or Dune? You no, know, not Doom with fucking The Rock. I like The Rock, but holy yeah. fuck, don't watch that. Listen, he, he, that was a long, listen, he came a long way. Jumanji, yeah, yeah. I love Jumanji. Jumanji's great. And Jumanji 2 and all that fucking A, I love it. Jumanji. I, I don't, wait, hold on. Jumanji. what I say? <laughs> Jumanji. what I say? Jumanji. Jumanji. Anyway, 
Uh, I love those movies. I love them. Don't watch Doom with The Rock. I would, I would skip that. But my point is, what's my point? Dune. Dune. D-U-N-E. It's a new movie. It's on HBO Max. And uh, holy fuck. It's a... Listen. It's been... It's an old... It's based on the old uh, Frank Herbert's... I think it's Frank Herbert. His novel of... Uh, of Dune back in the 1960s. It's a sci-fi epic, right? And they did a movie about this back in the 80s, and it was kind of shit. It was, it was, it's hard to get through. Uh, so I never liked it. Sting was in it. It was kind of weird. What happens oh, in the movie? Shit. Listen, anything with Josh, Josh Brolin has to be one of my, probably one of my favorite actors ever. He's so good. From Goonies... To, to, to no cunt, old country for hey. no, no country for whatever it is. I'm, I'm Googling him. Josh, what's his name? Josh Brolin? Bro, you know, I don't know Josh anybody. Brolin? I don't know anybody. Well, he's so good. He's so good. He knows. Oh, yeah, he is good. Uh, yes, 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 yes. He was in Face Off. No. No? <laughs> he was in Avengers. Avengers. Oh, well, he was, yeah, he was Thanos. Yeah, he was Thanos. <laughs> he was also Cable in, uh, <laughs> but listen, Weidman. Well, yeah, listen. Is he you like, want to do a movie trivia right right now with me? Let's do you want to do it? I, I get know. I get to use Google though. <laughs> I like movies, but anyway, what are we talking about? But what happens in Dune? What is what's the point of it? Guys, we're ten minutes in. Everybody, I'm sorry. <laughs> How long do we go for? Is there like a tap? We get, no, no. We could go like hour, hour oh, and a half, whatever. I don't know. And let, so I'm supposed to leave here around eleven thirty ish because well, I have to get to the airport, but. But I just got a, I got hit up by the UFC because they're mandating the pilots to get vaccinated. A lot of the pilots aren't flying. So the American Airlines right now is hard to get a flight in. So it looks like I might be pushed to a Delta flight later on, but they're going to let me know. So I'm, I'm, we'll just keep on going. We had times with that. I don't want to get too serious. Oh, weird times. Weird times. You know? All, I mean, it's so messed up. It's messed up, man. Like, like get out of here with this. Like, first I, of all, half of them probably already had COVID and they're fine and they don't want to get it. They don't want to get a vaccine. I feel bad. I feel bad for the first responders because, you know, they did so much from the nurses to the everybody that works in the hospitals to the, the police and everybody. And now everybody's getting like mandated to do it. It's like, really, dude? I was just on the front lines battling and it's not my choice now. I'm going to lose my job if I don't have to do this. And you're saying it, but you know, so it's weird times. It's weird. It's just weird times, dude. And uh, it's crazy. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's don't sad, get, man. I don't want to get to. Negative. I know. Yeah. We'll, we'll get it. We'll get out of this, but yeah, I'm with you, man. It's sad. It's sad to see what they're, what they're forcing people to do and people losing their jobs over this crap, you know, and it's, wrong. Uh, it's just wrong, dude. It's, yeah. It's just messed up you know? on every level, but uh, you know, what's right. You having a podcast. What made you, what made you do this buddy? Cause I'll tell you right now, first of all, you're really good at it. And I'm happy you asked me to, yeah. Cause I've seen, you know, I've, I've seen you talking to people and I'd be secretly getting. Like, Don't act like you watch my happy. podcast. Well, no, no, no. I was happy that you're doing it. You're doing well with it. But I was kind of annoyed. That I was counting. How many shows did you do? Uh, I think you're my third. That's it? No, I'm just Fuck. <laughs> because I know where you're going with this right now. I know where you're going with this. You know where I'm going with this. You did at least a dozen. I can't. I have to spread it out. And I and so Long, I haven't do? done Longo yet either. Longo? Oh, yeah. Wait, hold on. All right, I'm better with everything now. I did ne- I did Neglia. Longo was on the side. I did Neglia my second episode because Rogers had me 
he, he wanted to go right like at the time the whole mafia thing was really big you know all these guys the mafia guys were coming out with podcasts and negli lived through literally yeah. the prime time of mafia in the in the most populated mafia area in the world so it was crazy to listen to all of his stories and how he kind of stayed out of it but you know has tons of friends obviously that are in it and it was yeah. interesting negli is a negli is a good man louis neglia he and, is um, man you know, he's, he's where I got my start fighting, man. He, he, back when I started fighting for him. You're a 19th guest, but can continue. Thank you. I made it in before 20 and I made it on before Longo. But oh, back to your, wait, hold on. We'll get to Neglier in a second, which I love. I love the little Neglier. Great man. Yeah, same but man. dude, I don't know. I didn't pitch. I, I was getting jealous because I saw all these people on. I go, wait, that guy's not asking me to go on his show. And I, and we're very close. I was. Well, you asked me now. Yes, you're I'm here. I'm not gonna give you a guilt trip. I mean, <laughs> but you're good you know at I it. love you. I didn't think. Not that I didn't think you'd be good at it, but I didn't think you'd be this good at it. You're really good. Oh, at thank it. you, man. Why are you so comfortable with this? How'd that happen? I'm not. I'm not. I get like nervous before each one of them. I'm. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get to the point where I'm just like right now hanging out with you, talking to you. This is my favorite. Right now. Not worried about like asking you questions and like getting things that other people want to hear. Me just being able to have a good conversation. Uh, obviously, we're close, so it's easier. But 100%. with everybody, just BS and just like there was no camera, there's no video, and there's no audio, and there's no expectations. And a way for me to like learn from other people and get inspired by other people. And then hopefully it helps other people. And yeah, I'm enjoying doing it, but it's, you know, I'm nervous before them and all that. You know, I, I want to do good. You don't have a you don't have no, a co-pilot. If I have to steer the ship when Jimmy's gone, I usually always have a co-host. Well, there's times I did the show before by myself, and whenever I did, I, when I was done, I was always very proud of myself. I'm like, oh, I didn't fuck it up. One time I interviewed Ice Cube in studio, and it went it went just me and him in the studio, and it was fucking great when I when I was doing the show uptown. But usually I got a co-pilot. So for you to jump in this, for you to delve into this whole podcast fucking thing and do it by yourself is very ballsy well i appreciate that and it's crazy you've been doing podcasts since 2016 that's right man so you've been I, doing it you've been doing podcasts before podcasts were even cool wow i didn't even listen i remember when dana approached me with the show and uh it's funny now because i love doing it. i like listen i'm doing it today with jimmy i i, I love it uh i love doing it but my point is, I didn't want to do it in the beginning because I'm like, I don't even know what a, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. It's like a radio thing. I go, what am I talking? I don't, I don't want to ask people questions. I, I hardly care about talk, talking to anybody except for the people I like. Yeah. So I don't really want to do it like an interview show. But then he's like, no, nah, it's more of just a, a podcast. Ain't like that. And it's and he goes and and then we brought up Jimmy Norton. He we were doing we were doing looking for a fight. And we were camping. Me and Dana were camping. Who else? Get, I'll tell you right now. <clears throat> nobody gets to say they fucking shared a tent with Dana. The guy is the guy's not a camper. That's, that's guy's crazy. Never, you'll never find him in the fucking woods again. <laughs> no. You know. But anyway, we were out there with camping, and that's when he brought it up to me. It was like fucking whatever five years ago. And then when he brought up Jimmy Norton, that's what I. That's the only. That's the only thing that made me even entertain it. Because at first I'm like, ah, I don't think so. I'm good at my. I'm good at teaching at my school. Why, well, I man? You know I'm a simple man. Mm. Uh, you find me at Sarah BJJ or just at my house. I'm kind of like a hermit. Yeah. So I wasn't looking for any other gigs, but shit, man. I started hanging out with Jimmy, and that was just a good fucking time. 
like this. Yeah, but did you know did you know Jimmy like that before before uh, hosting with him? I mean, now we're super close. Yeah. But um back then I just I did Opie and Anthony before the show, that radio show that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I did that and I always got along with him. He was always nice, but I never really knew him that well. And I wasn't really a fan of that show, which is which is silly because I went back and I listened now on YouTube to the old Opie and Anthony shows and they are fucking hysterical. It was almost like, uh, like, like a, like a, it almost felt like a podcast. It was very laid back and, and a lot, a lot of good comedians on and I'm almost, I'm like a fan of the show now, but you know, I wasn't, you know, uh, me and Jimmy would just, we, I knew, I, I knew him from seeing him on there. And then I ran into him in Vegas a couple of times at a couple of events and he was always pleasant. So I go, all right, man, let me, let me try this out. You know? Yeah. He, hey. is per- he is perfect, man, because he is, he's a comedian, obviously, so he's funny, but he's just a good dude. Like, he's a good-hearted dude, and he loves MMA, and he doesn't talk with, like, this, he doesn't think he knows it all, you know, at all, know. but he loves it, you know, and then he's got a guy like you who knows it all, and you guys work perfect together. Man, that's, it's, a, it's such a fun show, and I love, like, we have, a, sometimes we have a third co-host, too, like, me and Jimmy... I mean, I don't know. I, I think we get along fucking fantastic. Like, I literally, <laughs> I, we're really we're good. He's friends. as honest as they get. Like, right? There's nobody more honest. He's he's so honest and he's and yeah. he's so fucking funny. He's so funny. And sometimes we'll have a third mic with like, we had Phoenix Carnivale on yesterday. She's always fun. Yeah, she's so great. Like man. a little cousin or something. I know her since mm-hmm. a long time. And, uh, and also, Dean Thomas is our third mic sometimes. And I love when Dean Thomas is on. Because Dean Thomas is, is a character. You know what I mean? He's yeah. a guy that I became really close with also. He's talented with acting and stuff. He's, he's, he, could, he could play different parts, right? He's, he's a guy that's like got his toes dipped in everything, man. He likes to do the improv, which yeah. I goof on him about because it's fucking this. It's, it's, you know, I can't watch improv. <laughs> Man, I'm a plant. Shut up, Dean Thomas. You're not a plant. Listen, I don't <laughs> like the fucking improv. I don't like it. Uh, but anyway, I've never even seen it. He does everything, dog. Dude, what, you know what? Once you see it, you can't unsee it. So don't. Where do you see? That oh, where do you stuff? see it? Where do you see improv? You just. Dude, I don't. I don't see it, but I've seen <laughs> clips of him doing it, and it just makes me want to run into traffic. So I tell him to. Stick to the other stuff. He does, but you, I see Dean Thomas taking over, man. He's all he's doing the fight analysis analyst shit. Like on the, he's on the, he's, he's everywhere now with his sweaters. Yeah. Dean Thomas is a good man, and he's got a good sense of humor. He can take me attacking him, and he just comes back at it. He's so stupid, Matt Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> like, Dean Thomas, is funny. <laughs> I love doing the show with him. Like I'm going to Denver in a couple weeks. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is that for looking for a fight? Yeah, and that's gonna be fun. What are you guys doing? Oh, you can't probably say it. Can you? Oh, you know what I find out? Pretty much when I, just like when I do my podcast, I find out when I fucking sign in. I'm oh, like, really? Uh, oh, hey, hey, why? But guess who I'm having on the my podcast later? Oh. I get along with everybody. You think I'm going to get along with Colby Covington? <sighs> I don't think. That's going to be interesting. I don't know. The guy's called me a meatball before. Oh, he's called I, you out? He said stuff about you before? Oh, oh, 100%. I forget what he says, but, you know, he just. But you know I, what? He is He is literally just a character. He's a made-up he, character. He is. He is. I heard he's, I heard he's like, not like that at all. 
I'm going to try to break down the fourth wall and kill him with kindness. Yeah. How do you handle that? How do you, because you, you don't like disrespect, like, you know, you, and you have to call it out. It's in you. It's been in you since you're probably a young kid, right? Like you, someone disrespects you. You have to deal with the situation at hand, right? Like, (laughs) right. We know each other so well. Yeah. I can't, I can't. But now, now you're in a game where you kind of have to like, you know, play the game. You're right. A little bit. Well, listen, I'll have fun with him because I know he's silly, you know, yeah. and he's like, the, listen, the guy's good at what he does. He's a good fighter. But we, we all know the guy dick tucks in, in, in public, like, like, <laughs> if he, like, like he's the king of the dick tuck. Like he's, he's fucking, he's really good. But when he's in, like, you see him backstage and the guy's like, you see Jorge Masvidal and him go, yo, man, you, and you see him fucking just chewing his gum, looking away. So you know the guy's doing TikTok, so I've seen it a couple of times. When he calls me a meatball, I'm not gonna be like, "Oh, why you? Oh my god, <laughs> shut up, you fucking corny bastard!" I think I've seen you respond to it the one day, right? Did you, you did a podcast about it already, right? You, you know what's you, so funny, man? I do all these podcasts, and just like we're doing this now, if someone's gonna go, "Yo, man, I heard what you said about something on the podcast," I'll be like, "Wow, what did I say?" Because we're really just having a conversation. Yeah. I had nothing to fucking hide. Yeah. I think that guy's very douchey, but I think he's maybe playing up the whole douchebag thing to get, to get, to get. Uh, I hope he is. You know, if he if he's just that big of a douchebag to be to begin with. But is it worth it? Is it worth it that you can't really like go to certain places because you're afraid of somebody fucking with you after that? You're afraid you like everybody. Like, is it worth it, man? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think I'd be able to do it. I, I wanted to dip my toe. Look, look Al Jermaine does it in some ways. You know what I mean? Like, he plays that game. You know, he'll be Al a guy. Aljo will turn into a guy that everybody hates almost on purpose. You know what I mean? He'll like, in or, in order play- to get more people, to you know, to, to buy in, you know, and, and get more people's attention. I don't think I could do it. You know, I, I've, I've teetered on that line. You know, when you're, you know, you're fighting for the belt and, you, you know, the pay-per-view pressure starts coming in. It's like, man, how do you get... How do you get more people interested, you know? And then, you know, I have to start talking shit, but that's not really who I am. I don't just talk shit to people that I'm fighting just because, you know, I'm fighting them. You know, I have no real issues with these people, but now you got to talk shit. That's what, it's always better. That's why and it's hard in this game because most guys are cool. Most guys are really cool. Yeah. Right. How many uh, guys aren't cool that are fighters? You get humbled so many times, right? Like, how do you not become a cool person? And that's what's be- the beauty of this game. You get humbled, you yeah. know, usually, I mean. These guys, I, I mean, it's crazy, man. Like, it, I mean, I personally, like this whole thing we're talking about, like I could never do it. And it's so funny. I remember, and I, I think I told you this before, I was with, uh, it was me, Drago, it was Chael Sonnen and his, and his coach. He has this little striking coach. Not little, he's probably my height. <laughs> well, yeah, little, I guess. Short, stocky, uh, nice guy. We were in the, uh, the hot tub of MGM. Wait, is this when you went to interview him or something down? In- oh no, I was gonna fight Matt Hughes. Oh, okay, and he yeah. was gonna fight, I think, Damian Meyer or somebody. And I remember Chael Sonnen goes to me, "Look, you sold this fight brilliantly." He kept he kept saying, "He goes, man, Matt. He, he goes, when you, I mean, the way you know, we're calling him a dick. You know, everything you did, you sold this fight brilliantly, and this and that." And I'm like, ah. So I remember when he left, I go, dude, I. I just really think the guy's a dick. I didn't really even fucking try to sell the fight. I just did not get along at the time with Matt Hughes. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. it's not like, so he thought like, like I was doing it to get more pay-per-views or this or that or whatever it was. But I was just didn't like the guy, you know? But so when it's you, so much easier when you don't like the guy because we I are agree. trying to hurt each other. Yeah, no, I agree. But how about when you did the whole wine thing in Canada with, with GSP? 
Did you do that to sell the fight or were you, were you doing that like legitimately? It was totally legitimate. Now, listen, you got to take it from, I, I wouldn't have handled it like that now. I like George a lot. I didn't look at it through George's point of just through George's eyes to lose to me where it was embarrassing for him because everybody thought he was going to beat my ass. So he couldn't. So afterwards when I read and I always got along with George. And so when I read afterwards that he was saying it was, I almost felt like he was making excuses. So I just went on the attack and I was like, guys, you know, I was, everybody was thinking I was going to go walk to my doom and I pulled this thing off and now you're making excuses. Like you weren't like, like, so I, so I started telling him, and I when I started doing the Frenchie thing, <clears throat> it was right after like Talladega Nights. So I was like, if you ever saw Talladega Nights with Will Ferrell, yeah. oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I was doing a thing with that, like ah, I go sip your red wine, Frenchie, because he's from Montreal. Yeah. So I never, so it was all legit. Like it wasn't made. It wasn't. I was mad. Yeah. But I, you know, it's silly now. I just feel. I mean, at the time, George was just like, ah, you know. What the fuck do I, what do I do when everybody's asking me this thing? So it wasn't his bad. I mean, you, know? you, you have the potential. You, I mean, you could have sold every fight. Like, I mean, could you have done the Conor McGregor? Could you have, could you have gone all out like that all the time? But what is the, cause Conor? you're, I mean, you're quick witted, right? Yeah. So you could, you could come up with kind of anything really fast. Uh, if it became a war of words with somebody at a press conference, you're, I'm going to say you're crushing them. I think I could do Okay. I, you know what's weird? Man? Did you ever think back though after seeing Connor and, and his success and just eating people up with his words and getting so popular, making all his money? Did you think like, oh man, I probably had the talent to do something similar to that? It, you know, it's funny that you're saying that because everybody, I, I just, I don't. This is what's this is what's weird about like just society. I feel, or maybe it's just weird about me. I'm, dude, I'm not anti-money. I want to fucking, I want to make, I want to, I would love, I want to make enough money to live the way I want to live and to have my family live the way they want to live and be comfortable. I mean, that's what I want, but I'm not obsessed with it where like, I don't know where, what happened where everybody's just like, man, well, Connor could like Connor, for example, look at the, some of the stuff he's saying and whether it's, in some kind of, you know, drunken or otherwise haze of, of whatever he's throwing out these tweets, the way he's disrespecting people and the way he acts. He just punched that DJ. He punched an old man in a fucking pub. He, he smacked an official over at Bellator. He mushed this guy's face. And when he was up on the thing, when he was doing the wrong thing, why does this guy get so many passes? Well, well look, look what he brings in with the money. Look at the fucking... Yeah, Lamborghini yacht or whatever the fuck he's got. I don't know what the fuck that it is, but <laughs> but why? So that's okay. Like it's okay to be like a like a fucking piece of shit, like of a person yeah. to people. Listen, man, like you know why? I mean, like is that what you want to like aspire to be? Is that I, I wouldn't change a fucking thing. Like if I could, I, of course I. There's no everybody wants more money, but as far as my quality of life. I wouldn't change a. First of all, I don't. Even, I wouldn't. You couldn't pay me to go on a fucking yacht. I don't like that ocean. <laughs> I'm weird. Dude, I don't want to go in the ocean. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to go on a cruise. I don't want to go on somebody else. It might be like, oh look, a sunset on a yacht. I don't know, man. I'm. It's not me. I'd rather go to my jujitsu school, hang out, laugh, maybe pass a guard, take a kimura. I don't know, pull a sweep off, have fun. 
teach my kids some martial arts, come home, I'm with my kids, I'm playing VR, I'm talking to you, I'm doing my podcast, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out with my family. I don't know. I have a, a good quality of life. Why should I be respected more if I fucking got it? I mean, I respect what that dude did when he, when he, he, he came from nothing and he built something up and now he's got more money than everybody. But I don't respect how the motherfucker's acting. And I don't think, cute dog, by the way. What a cute dog. <laughs> Thank you. But, uh, you know, why should that, it's like, every, I don't know, man. Like, I think everybody's looking at things the wrong way. Because I'll tell you what, right now, in both years, in, in 50 years, 60 years from now, we'll both be dead. All of us, whatever it was, how many years. And then you're not taking any of this shit, will you? So everybody will look back and go, man, that guy made a lot of money, but what a fucking douchebag. Or they'll be like, oh, man, yo, this guy went away, but shit, man, he helped out this one, that one. He did a lot for my kid. Man, he showed up at this tournament. I don't know, man. He'll be remembered as a good dude. Am I, am I, is it me? I don't know. What do you think? No, I think you just, I think you've summed that up perfect. Um, just I just don't know. Like, you got kids, you got people who look up to you. How do you explain this to your kids, the way you're acting? You know, punching this old guy in the face. Then the DJ it doesn't stop. Oh, I'm sorry to this guy. Then I'm sorry to that guy. You know, then, you know, I'm saying this about Khabib's dad and Khabib's mom and then this about Poirier's wife. And he has gone as low as you could possibly go. When it comes to dirtbag status, oh, oh, hit the lowest of the low. He actually just kind of attacked me and not to make it all about me, but he just put up a, some meme. It's a picture of me, me face down after I broke my leg. Anderson Silva with a hit, you know, him screaming in pain when he broke his leg. And then it's a picture of Conor McGregor. His leg's broken. He's talking to uh, Joe Rogan. And he writes something like, it's not about what happens to you in, in, in life. It's about how you deal with it moving forward. And it's well, kind of like a... It's I, kind of like I, a slap in the face I, to me and Anderson Silva. Like he's handling it. He's hand, he handled pain and adversity in that moment better than we did. And it's like, bro. You know what? He, listen, the thing about Connor and, and as talented as he is, and he is talented, you know, he also, there's things that he did that you didn't do. And that's, that's also when the going gets rough, he fucking dude. That's when you show who the fuck you are. It's all, you know, he's super talented. So when he's piecing somebody up, he'll continue to piece them up and he'll, and he could do it. He could do it sometimes both brutally and beautifully because mm -hmm. he's that talented. Great. But when the shit dude, and I'm not bringing up negative shit, you could have fucking tapped out after the first fucking few strikes when things weren't going straight with, uh, going right your way with Luke Rockhold mounted. Oh, on. Yeah, yeah. You could have yeah. said, you know what? I'm here. I'm mounted. I'm, I'm having a hard fucking time. I can get at, no, you could have gave you about and got strangled. No. That you, the ref jumped in. You, there's other times. We, I mean, dude, you, we all been in it. We all been in it when it's not going our way, and it's easy to just cover up a little more and it's over or do it. But we don't. When the shit gets rough for Connor, he gets the fuck out of dodge. He did well with a beeb until like he was he was hanging in there, and then he's like, you know what? Oh, you got my neck. You know, he wasn't saying if I just get out of this fucking thing, I'm going to eat your soul. You know what I'm saying? So, and the same thing whenever a limb was in jeopardy in a fight. All his losses, pretty much, are when he's saying uncle. So yeah. besides the one where he broke his leg. So I don't know. I respect his abilities, but, you know, we're all human, dude. Look at the way you say, like, when you met, like, Adam Sandler or this and that. I think now, you know, there's so many people out there are like that when they meet you, Chris. You know what I mean? You're, and you have never changed. You've always been. And 
what happens is when you're a nice guy and you get that kind of respect or popularity, it, it like with myself, like if I'm out with my, my family or this and that, I'm never just like, get away. I'm always just like, oh man, thank you. I appreciate that. And like, I've always seen the way you dealt with people. And I'm telling you, you don't put yourself above somebody and you there's people out there that do and Khan is one of them you know what i mean uh, he doesn't ant he doesn't you know he, and it's just it's not the way it should be don't make me bring out that old spider-man line with great power go ahead you can finish it <laughs> comes, comes great, great responsibility hell yeah uh, I, I know um, movies i did it yeah right but i don't oh know man gosh. so i think people look at things different like you know, differently. So if that's your end game is how much can I get before I die? And that's cool. That's your thing. But you start calm as a bitch, man. I don't think you should be treating people the way certain people treat people. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, everything slows down, no matter how much money you have. Like when I beat Anson Silva, I won the championship, became world champ, right? You know, I accomplished a huge goal worked for so long, you know, and it never happened. It finally happened. At the end of the day, you look yourself in the mirror. You're the same guy. You got to look at yourself in the mirror every single day. So if you start selling yourself out, you know, just selling your soul, how do you, how do you move on from that? You know, how do you look at yourself in the mirror again? Dude, I mean, listen, I got to be me. I got to be me. (laughs) I got to be We have fun. Listen, I'll tell you what. If I had like a million, uh, millions of dollars in the bank, I don't think I'm changing much of what the fuck I'm doing every day. What do you do? What yeah, the fuck uh, do you do? You buy know more, I, buy I, more Rolexes. You know, what do you? <laughs> I got a, I got a, a rubber Spider-Man bracelet on. I don't fucking wear my kids. got My daughter has the same one. But like, uh, I don't, I'm not, I don't even wear the chains, man. I don't wear nothing. I'm not that kind of guido. I'm yeah. wearing that, you know? <laughs> I mean, Revgear sent me a new gear. I'm excited about that later. I <laughs> life is simple, man. Me and Longo figured that shit out ages ago. Yeah. I mean, I remember just being with Longo like when I was in my 20s, and Longo was probably still around 50. I'm only fucking around. Longo was like fucking. Longo's not that old, but I remember just being like, "Yo, I wish we could just do this the rest of our lives," and we're pretty much doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Longo's another one. He he keeps it very simple. You know, he makes money. He just pushes it away. He's other than his Rolex that his, that one nice Rolex that he got. You know, how many years ago? And he's always driving like he a doesn't. Or and he's got a Jaguar or the Caddy. You know, yeah, but he, he's he keeps things simple. I mean, what's the point of just keep buying more things and more things? You're just gonna be more unhappy. You got that down, bro. You got you. I mean, you got your jujitsu school you love. You got your fighters that you love. You got your family that you love. You got your podcast. I mean, what else? You're happy. I mean, I told you that voiceover work is something else. I'd I'd be excited. I want to do something I'm excited about. I have a simple recipe uh, for just, I'm not saying for success, but I'll say for my success is, and it's, but I'm having fun. Usually, people are having fun. Like, like my my school, my you know the you know, and the same can be said for yours. Is uh, the atmosphere is as important as anything you're doing there. Like, if you're going in there, and everybody's a bunch of douchebags, and they're taking everybody and legs hard, or they're they go. It's not. It's it, it's got a wrong kind of vibe. That's not a place I'd want to be. Like, dude, I love being at my school. I, I I'll tell you right now, my my two my three girls are training. My wife, 
it's a good time, man. There's music on. Uh, and the same thing I can say for my podcast. If me and Jimmy are literally having fun, you're having fun with Dana White looking for a fight. We are breaking balls. I don't even know what we're filming. I, I forget the camera's on. And when I watch it, I go, oh, that was silly because we're having a good time. So that's my recipe, man, just to keep having fun. And hopefully people have fun, you know, with us. I'm with you. Okay. I want to, I've heard this story from you before, but I think it's awesome for other people to hear too. Um, can you go a little bit into when you, how you started? Because me and you fought around the same time. You know, I fought in the same time period as you. When I was started and you were getting ready to finish, right? So we were fighting mixed martial arts at the same time, but your beginning was way different than my beginning. You know, the way, the way MMA was looked at, the way, it was kind of still one art versus the other art, right? It was still like, you know, you become a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. You weren't really into the striking thing. It was, yeah. you were flirting with those times. What, what was that all like uh, starting out for you? Well, as far as the mixed martial arts, like, you know, when I got started, I always wanted to, to fight. But, you know, when I got started, it wasn't even called mixed martial arts. You know, it was... It was more style over style. I found um, a tape of the, I always I say this a lot, but it's how I got started. I, I found a tape of the Gracie's, my father, who's a martial artist, uh, a lifelong martial artist. He would show me, he showed me these tapes of the Gracie's fighting other disciplines. It was called Gracie in Action. And I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they're great. There's two, there's a lot of dojo fights, fights from Brazil when they used to have those Valley Kudo tournaments, anything goes tournaments. And it was always style versus style. And it was real fighting. And back in the 90s, uh, you didn't know what real fighting was. You, you, had, an, you had an idea, but not really because you, know, you had your own experiences. And then you saw like fucking guys like Steven Seagal or Van Damme or what would work in a fight. There's always arguments of, of what would really work. So when I saw these fights of these kids, these guys in Brazil, the Gracies, I, I was just, I was mesmerized, man. I go, holy shit. Because I thought I was a tough kid at the time. So I, I just wanted to... I knew I needed to learn that stuff. And then I ended up going to a, a seminar in the 1992 when I graduated high school. And, and it was Horian and Hoyce up in Waterbury, Connecticut. And I, I fell in love with it. I, I, up until then, martial arts, like yeah, everything was, even if it was like some practical stuff, but there's a lot of forms and stuff like that, which they're cool, I guess. You know, Stephen Wonder. I don't want to upset Stephen Wonderboy because I know he loves <laughs> I don't want a problem with his yeah, father. going to start leaving the school. It wasn't for me. A lot of these forms and stuff, and I, and I wasn't into it. My father did Wing Chun Kung Fu. We would do a lot of trapping drills, and then I get into a fight. I hit a guy with a chain punch, and then end up tackling him because I did a season of wrestling. <laughs> but I was <laughs> so when I seen these Gracies fighting, I'm like, yo, man, I have to learn that stuff. And then I did the seminar. And then the UFC came out, and right after that, I met up with Henzo. He came to the city, and you know. Wait, so, how did you meet up with Henzo? How did that? Well, happen? Craig Kukuk, his American business partner, who was taught mm-hmm. by uh, the Gracies and Torrance, Horion Hoyce, he went to Brazil, trained with Elio Gracie and Hoyler. He was the first American to get a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. This Craig Kukuk. And who did he get his from? From Horion and Hoyce. Horion. And I think he got it actually from Elio and Hoyler in Brazil. But he was the first guy to do it, you know? And uh, so when he got the black belt, the Gracies kicked him out. <laughs> Horion and him had a disagreement, probably something over money or the name. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I used to get this thing called the Gracie newsletter, right? And it was like about the, what's coming up with their seminars or their, DVD, or their their VHS tapes or whatever it is. So 
they announced him being a black belt and that he'd be moving to the East Coast to, to spread the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. And then the next newsletter, like, nah, we're taking that shit back. <laughs> so I'm like, wait, they couldn't take the guy's skills away. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I didn't know what the disagreement was about, but I found out the dude was teaching in Manhattan in the fucking, in like, uh, like the village over at, at uh, Oishi's Judo Club, uh, uh, dojo. So I found out one day a week and I was like 19 or whatever I was, 20. And I ended up just taking the city, uh, train to the city. And one day a week, I would learn some stuff from him. And then ended up, I, then I ended up going to Red Bank, New Jersey to get a private lesson. This is, that's the only way I'd get, there was no way to learn it back then, Wyman. There was no internet for that shit, no, you know? So then he ended up doing three days a week eventually. And then two years later, Henzo came over. And there was the Gracie Cooks. So I was already a blue belt when Henzo came over. And then, like a year later, they broke up. They had an issue. Were you doing how? How often were you doing jujitsu at that point? I was were there. You, were you doing I, it back on Long Island too, at your own house? I, I would train in my garage with my brothers, and I'd bring okay. friends over and just rap on them and yeah. that type of thing. So, but I and and eventually I met Longo again. I, I met him before that one time when I visited his school. So I seen him again at that judo school, training at Craig's, and we we ended up talking because we met before that, and he actually. That's how we started becoming friends, me and Ray Longo. And next thing I know, he'd be like, look, I got a school in, in Mineola. And uh, he'd give me the key just to do And I'd meet up with him. And then other times I'd, I'd meet some guys down there and he'd let me use the place just to roll. Were you so, doing, were you fighting? Were you doing any of those fights yet at that point? Oh, no, 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 no. I was just learning jiu-jitsu, you know. And, but when you were Longo, were you doing striking at that no, point? I, then I started, I started messing around with Ray. Ray would start holding like the tie pants with me. So I started messing around with it, you know, but, uh, so then next thing you know, I started just, I was, uh, you know, Henzo came over and I was, I was, I was there like five, six days a week in Manhattan, just teaching for them. Henzo started having me teach for him and Craig. And then, uh, and then I started getting into the fighting, you know, or as a purple belt, yeah. I was, I think 23 when I had 22 or 23 when I had my first fight. You know, and it was weird back then because that's when Lou Negley had these fights, and it's the Ring of Combat. But before then, it was called it was, before it was called the Ring of Combat. It was called Vengeance at the Vanderbilt. A van, the Vanderbilt out here in Long Island is a huge club, right? You know where that is. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and it was like a couple of floors, and right in the middle, they'd have a ring, and they have kickboxing fights there. And before it was called MMA, it was called NHB, No Holds Barred. But they would call it a, a freestyle grappling exhibition. So that's how they bill it so that we can get past things to get me on there. That's crazy. And it was a fight, though. So it was like no weight class. The first guy I fought was like a huge black guy who was like a Wing Chun guy. And I just took him down and all marked him. So like my first eight, seven, eight fights was just, you know, he'd bring guys in. I fought The toughest guy I fought was probably like a Russian Sambo guy who was like, he was pretty tough. But I ended up strangling him. So that's where I cut my teeth a little bit. In the you know, I, you know, I actually went to one of those fights. I was no 13, way. 14 years old. I mean, so you're 10 years older than me on the dot. <laughs> really? So you're 24. Yeah. I was about 14 and I probably seen your fight, which is crazy. Uh, yeah. I was in a suite. One of my dad's friends, I guess, was into like boxing or kickboxing. One of my uncle's friends. I don't know. I, I don't remember how I got there, but I remember being there and that scene was crazy. It was crazy. It was it? insane. Everybody was out of their mind. You know, everybody was drinking, going crazy. And like every every fight was like a little bit different rule set, right? It was a little, it was like kickboxing and then, you know, something else and MMA, but they called it something different. 
MMA, they called it um, either NHB exhibition or a, a freestyle grappling exhibition. But it was it was it was MMA. Okay, we were punching and and doing everything. So yeah. you know, but but back then again, I was fighting besides that Sambo guy. You know, I fought some tough guys, but they just didn't know the floor. You know, the Sambo guy did. He he whizzed me down and I got to show some stuff, you know. Yeah, actually, that's cool. Com, his name was Kamzat, actually. That was funny. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That was a fun one. Not that guy. That guy's a stud. <laughs> He's good. But, um, yeah, man. So that's where I cut my teeth on the Lou Neglia's uh, banner over there. But it was uh, it was ages ago. Shit. That is crazy. And then how did you how did you go from there? So it was uh, your friendship with Longo started getting tighter, I guess. You started focusing yeah. on stand-up at some point. Yeah, I started doing stand-up, but it was weird with me, man, because – as a kid, I knew I had power because, you know, I, 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 I laid some people out in like street fights, but, but also I fought a tough man. Which con- we're going to get into. Don't let me forget. <laughs> when, I was, when I was 18, I fought a tough man contest at the Palladium in Manhattan and uh, busted my jaw in that thing. I still oh, stop it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh. But, uh, you know, I fought three. Mr. T was the referee. And uh, G was the referee. Yeah, Are you I, serious? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's crazy. And uh, I won two fights, knocked two guys out, laid them out after battling. And my third fight, I was already fucked up because I fought this tough Irish guy from Jersey. The second one, and we were battling. And uh, and I never spawned before, Chris. I never spawned in my That's life. Crazy. My buddy Jim McCluskey at the time was a boxer, and he went with me there. He goes, man, and it was all heavyweights, one seventy five and up. <laughs> And they, they announced me as the weightlifted pizza boy from Long Island. It was funny. Stop. Right? Yeah, I used to love the pizzas, you know? So my buddy, who used to box, he goes, Matt, he was just, instead of like this, just stand like this so you're less of a target. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, yeah, but you're not wide. Yeah. I don't know. And I was just throwing. But then I had to go from that mentality so to, to the to Gracie Jiu-Jitsu uh, at the time was, especially those earlier UFCs, the striking was looked down upon, especially exchanging. So it was like, use your strikes to close the distance. Never exchange. Because if the odds would be, you know, even if you're a better fighter, the guy could land on you. You want to get the fight to the floor and you want to get mounted. And that was like getting like drilled into my head. And I actually, so my, my weird, my, you seen like, I had to do on the job training with, uh, with my standup. Like, so my, if you watch my standup with my Shoney Carter fight, but you can just say that even for the second one where I wasn't like committing to it. I was just still had that philosophy of having to get a guy down. It was hard to unlearn that. Like, cause I was like, it got me good at getting to the clinching and getting like, um, closing the distance without getting hit. Cause I spent so much, I spent years doing that. Mm. But, but for me to actually get the success I had in my thirties with after the ultimate fight and what I did with George Frank Trigg, even smacking around Mac Hughes at the time. The Lytle, the Lytle fight. Those Lytle, the Lytle fight was the second Lytle fight. I, I didn't yeah, even I get the win, but that I got was carried away. <laughs> <laughs> I landed some good ones, but Lytle's got a chin of granite. I could have sprinkled in some. Well, some you, big you, what you want, you got. I know you said you wanted to go in that fight. You wanted to put on a war, right? You wanted to. Yeah, I did. I, I think did. you wanted to get rid of that old school, that old mindset too. Like it's you were you stood and banged with probably the one of the most dangerous stand up dudes, and when it, and just boxed with them. You didn't. There was no takedown attempts, really, right? Not one. Yeah, I might have shot once just to add something in the last round, just to mix it up. But I remember, I just got done knocking out. I knocked True, out right. Trip. 
I knocked out Frank Trigg after I lost to Matt Hughes. But even in Matt Hughes, I did knock him down. And people were saying, oh, they hit your No, my head hit his chin, but I hit him. Every time guy, I, I knock a lot of guys down like that. Yeah. Like when they go to get me like in a Muay Thai clinch, my arm would just come up like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I'd get him. <laughs> so like, I never, I remember connecting with Matt and, and knocking him down. So yeah. it gets you kind of like in love with that. So I remember being like, yo, and I, I landed some counters on Lytle that I think would have put other guys down, mm. but you don't bank on somebody taking those shots. And in hindsight, I remember I was trying to, at that point in my career, I was trying to excite myself. Like I had a win over Chris already, but everybody said it was a boring fight. It was a strategic fight, and I needed to win that to win the Ultimate Fighter. But I wanted to just kind of just at this at thirty seven, I was thirty six at the time. I go, man, I'm just gonna let it all fucking hang out. But in hindsight, it would have been fun to add in. You know, I mean, again, I'm a, I'm a removed from it now, but I would have definitely sprinkled in some different ways of laying to the legs and doing some mm. different acts and maybe some takedowns. But you know. I didn't, it wasn't a cowardly fight. You know what I mean? No. It was I, I remember, obviously, I was young just watching you do your thing. I, don't, I wasn't in the UFC or anything yet at that point. Maybe just started fighting. And uh, you packed, you, you told me you were going to pack, I think, two pairs of sunglasses. Yeah. You knew, you knew you were going there and you were like, you, you were going to come out with some damage. Like, you, that was the plan. And I, you know, did. it was crazy. And, and I, you had a scar from it, right? Yeah, this one right here. There it is. This yeah, you like went there for stitches. war. Dr. Wilbur did me. I love that scar. I wish it was even more ingrained. It looks kind of cool. It was a crazy scar. That was in the headbutt. In the, first, in the first round, me and Chris were throwing, and uh, we connected heads. So I remember it was just uh, like a like a vagina on my head. Wow. It was coming down. Bro, do you, do you, that, was the, that was the – I went to your in-law's house when you got back. Yeah, hung out. We had that. That was the that was when I was. We had the homemade pizzas and the, yeah. the wine. Ciro's um, the yeah, Ciro, yeah, your father in law, Ciro, was the man. Um, it was a crazy experience for me because at that point, I was you know, I'm 26, I was you know, I had goals of being where you're at and what you've done, and to be a part you bringing me in to even be a part of that was huge for me, you know, like it's things like that 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 you were doing that was, I don't even know if you were thinking like it was, you were doing anything special. You were just being a good dude, but like just empowers people, you know, like it, it, it's such an empowering thing for people. Um, when you get to be at Matt Sarah's, you know, in-laws house <laughs> eating and drinking, you know, with the team, you know, as he just oh. went to war with Chris Lytle, it was crazy, crazy times, man. We had a good time, man. We had a really good time. Where are you training down there, man? I know you're training. I remember you trained with Lionheart a little bit. Tell me about and I'll tell you, I like hearing Anthony Smith talk about training with you. Oh, yeah. It's one thing when we talk about you training and this and that, but I like hearing a, a veteran like that say all the nice things he's been saying about you, how like, you're like the best person he's ever trained with and stuff like that. Because when we say it, we're like, yeah, but you're kind of our guy, you know? So it might be like we're biased. <laughs> I know. But, you know, I like hearing other people's like, say that and it, no, no yeah it was nice man honestly it made me feel good because he said it before my fight where i broke my leg and then also afterward but um yeah, yeah it's nice to hear from somebody who's not really on your team you know like you yeah. hear like you know I, I try to work my ass off every single time every time i came to your gym you know i would hear of legends in the past you know of like guys who come through your school and they're like this guy was a beast that guy was a beast this guy was a beast i'm yeah. like you want to you want to be a beast you want to be someone that people could talk about one day and, you know, and 
And it was awesome. Like I had a lot of people on our team, you know, would say nice things about me, but to have a guy like Anthony Smith, who was trained with some of the best guys say something like nice. And we were in the same weight class and, you know, yeah. all that, you know, was really uh, nice to hear and helps, you know, give me a little confidence boost for sure. Um, Did you ever sit back and look around? I mean, look where you are now with all of you done champion defending your belt. And uh, some of us never defended that shit. But anyway, listen, for all and everything you built, and because I've seen your whole journey, so I know how, how proud I am of you. But do you ever look back and say, man, I was in the house. Was, it feels like yesterday uh, I was flooded with Marivi in the house in the, my parents' basement. And, and look what you built. Look at your, look at your house now. You'll probably fucking get lost in it. Excuse my language. Yeah. And look at your dog. You got a beautiful family. You're known around the world. You go to Brazil. Ah, oh, there's Chris Wyman. Do you ever look back and say, man, I mean, not just sniffing the roses, your story is still being written, but mm. I'm doing okay for myself. Or I don't no. do it that much, but I will say I've done it more now since I've been injured and stuff. I have time off. You know, I don't, you, am I coming back? Am I not coming back? How's my leg going to respond? You know, you don't know. Yeah. Uh, so you start thinking like, you know what, uh, you know, what happened with my career? How did I do? You know, because it's hard when you're just so goal oriented and you just focus on the next fight and what you need to accomplish yeah. and you lose one, you need to win the next one. You know, it's hard to like really stop and, and like, right, this is where I started. This is where I'm at now. Like, wow, I should be pretty, you know, grateful. Like, this is, this is amazing because you feel like it's almost a weakness when you start sniffing those roses. Like now you're not going to be as motivated to continue. You want to have still have that chip on your shoulder, right? Like you're still going forward, but I will say, yeah, no, I'm, I, I can't believe it, man. It's, it's, it's nuts. And I wasn't going to bring this up, but I mentioned I was doing a podcast with you and uh, this Tom Lane, that kid who I cornered. He's a Long Island kid. I, when I went down to Atlantic City, oh yeah, he's nice training kid. out here, but he's a Long Island kid. You know, was at the gym all the time. You know, won his first fight and everything. I was like, "You have any questions for Matt? I'm going to go on the a podcast with him." He goes, "You got to ask him about that famous YouTube video. How did because now he's a young up and comer. How did you know that Chris Weidman was a, the next champion coming up?" Because you remember, and that gave me so much confidence. Like to have a champion like hey. you say this on a YouTube video. So just to give her, most people probably haven't seen this famous YouTube video. <laughs> this is not that famous unless you're from Long Island. Oh, it probably. is. But uh, call me Notre Dame after that. You did. You did. Uh, what was it? Was it one of the uh, UFC embed, not embedded? What What was I, the old one? I know one? exactly what it was. We it were was pushing the car together it and was I was coming crazy. inside. I'm going to say it's when okay. I was getting ready for my very last fight with Chris Lytle. It was either that or the trick fight because we were getting together for the trick fight also. Yeah. I think it was the Chris Lytle fight. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying uh, we were doing a video blog for me. It's either Chris Lytle or Frank Trick, one of my last fights. Mm -hmm. But we were doing a video blog. My buddy Joe Fernandez was doing that for me back in the day. Oh, that's right. Joe Fernandez. Well, Chris got me in front of a camera, I guess, kind of thing. You know, and I was just... You know, being those things were awesome too, bro. Uh, you, you had your car was a mess and you're kicking all the garbage oh, out the car. It was so funny. So we, we, uh, we were at Longo's pushing a car. And I remember saying, I'm passing the torch. Now, listen, I don't know what torch I had to pass, but I'm just saying that basically I was getting out of the game. But here's the future, future champion. Chris Wyman, future champ, I think. I definitely said future champ. Yeah, yeah. We should actually play it. I don't know if YouTube will actually well, I, We could probably have the video guy. Make sure to pull that video up of Matt Serra uh, saying on, that to man. me. That was that was cool. I'll say that for everybody. Yeah. The only other guy I said that for maybe is Pumi. 
Fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're saying it about Pumi, right? Pumi's got his Pumi's got. Pumi's He's got talented. Talent. He's talented. He's talented kid. You know what it is though? Like, it's almost like you know you you save that you save that type of thing for you know people who are special. But it's like you see someone that's really working hard and really wants it, you know, like and has some talent. And Pumi's that guy right now. Like he ha- and has you and Longo saying this to them, you know, like co- how confident is Longo in him? It's so when you have that, when you have people like you two actually believing in somebody, like I could tell you when I was going out there to fight, I wanted to prove you guys right. You know, I, it wasn't just like, I want to be the best me I could be. It was Longo believes in me so much. Matt believes in me so much. Like, I don't want to let you guys down. I want to like really show what you guys believe I have, you know? Oh, yeah. And that was a that's a huge motivator. So when you when Pumi hears that from you and hears that from Longo, like the extra ammunition that gives him in his fights is something you can't even put a price on. Well, we have this. I think we have every every you're gonna go to every school out there, every team, and they're all gonna say that we're like a family and and we're tight. And I'm not gonna and and I feel that you 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 develop that bond when you train with people. I'm gonna say. The only difference, and it's not because me and Longo are shitty businessmen, but why we're in this might be different than, I mean, I'm not saying other, I think a lot of, I'm not, uh, listen, all, I, I'm cool with all these other coaches and a lot of them, I'm sure get very tight and have the best interest in their fighters, but I'm not, I'm not going to be in, jumping in anybody's corner. I don't, I don't, I don't like, I don't really have a big financial interest in these, in any of you guys, <laughs> you I don't, hey, hey, don't get me wrong. You all been awesome. Especially you, but you all been <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, you all been generous, and it's very much appreciated. Appreciated, but that's a hundred percent not why I'm doing it. Fuck no, like I'm not. You know, I mean, they. I mean, when I wasn't in Aljo's corner that time, and, and he went to write me a check for just trying. Fuck it, I didn't take it. <laughs> Fucking, no, yeah. but that was a whole other thing. But my point is, I'm not going in anybody's corner that we don't like really respect and, and want to be there for me and Longo. But like, I mean, I don't know. We just, we don't have contracts with anybody. You guys, we never did. Cause then it'd become something else. Then it'd become business, mm-hmm. which it is. We do handle business. It's business, but, but we're there for the right. I, I mean, I, I know me and Longo are there for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. That's it. All we want to like, we get through when you guys win a fight, it feels like we want to fight, not just, to get our names elevated. We don't need, fuck, man. I see enough of my face. I don't need to see my face in anybody's fucking corner. But I genuinely want to be there because we're in the foxhole with you guys. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm when I'm in that corner, me and Longo brought our fucking guy to the flagpole versus your fucking guy. And our guy's going to fuck your guy up by any means necessary. I mean, that's the zone I'm in. And that's it. I'm not making it out to be anything else than that. And what other people do, that's their own thing, man. I've been in locker rooms when guys are giving brave heart speeches and it's more for themselves than it is for the fucking dude. Mm. They get people listening. And I'm starting, I'm getting, I remember one guy did that in a locker room and Raging Al was fighting. And he, and this one trainer was doing this to his his, uh, his guy and he was talking to him. And remember, you're here because you believe you're the best in the world. That And he's looking kind of like making sure everybody hears him. Then they walk out and it's kind of quiet. I go, Ray Janela, and then I, I know I know we're thinking the same thing. I go, hey, Ray Janela, 
I go, man, I got one in the chamber for you like that later. He goes, I'm so happy you guys don't do that. I'm so fucking happy that you along fucking rap, raise it out. He goes, I'm so I'm so happy you guys don't do that shit. Like he was just so <laughs> raging out is very low maintenance. Oh yeah. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? I fucking love that. I'm so excited for him. Me too, man. You know? Uh for everything that he's been through for this next fight, oh, you know, I'm I'm so excited for him. This is huge. This is a big yeah, one, man. Really? In Madison Square Garden. His first, I think it's his first time in Madison Square Garden, too, right? Yeah, the last, sure time, the last time we were at Madison Square Garden, I believe it was all of us. My wife was there, and he was um he was heckling Michael Rappaport. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was that? What was oh, was that the UFC event? Yeah, I wasn't there. Was that I when Trump was there? What was giving Trump shit? Uh, that's right. That's I was like right. behind me and my wife. And he goes, hey, Rappaport, it's your president too, Rappaport. Right. And the guy's ignored. I listen, Rappaport might be big on the phone. And I don't know. The guy's always been nice to me. Yeah. But fucking, but the guy's not turning around because he knows it's fucking Ray Janelle. Oh and Ray Janelle, who's a sweetheart to us, people could think he can go a little fucking go get your shine box on people. No. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, raging out, raging out. He's got his name for a reason. He's the best, most quiet, cool dude there is. But if he gets ticked off about something, you can't stop him. He's a freaking animal. But I will say, even if he's surrounded by people that he respects and stuff like that, yeah, I mean, we could settle him down. You know, he's he's the best. You know, he's really just such a good house eating pizza with me, my wife, and my kids and stuff. He's a fucking. He's a great man. I dude, Marab, I'm happy for fucking. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Can you get a better human being than Marab? Like fuck. No. I think the answer is no. Yeah. I think everybody loves Marab. You can't and, not and like think, him. I mean, he's just the guy is just he's just a he's a throwback. He's the type of guy that'll just do I mean, they say guy does anything for you, he'll just do anything. He's the heart of the team, dude. Everybody loves Marab. I agree. I you agree. know what I mean? He works harder than everybody. You know, he's the, he's the guy. He's going to do stuff that, you know, nobody else is doing. You know, he's a freaking workaholic. And he's always got a smile on his face. He's always a team player. Loyal as could be. Hey, hey why, man? Remember, remember, when he first came over here, they had him hooked up with some fucking knuckleheads. Yep. I mean, I'm not naming names, but he got hooked up with some knuckleheads mm-hmm. that were trying to basically use yeah. him as a meal ticket to get to. Yeah. Yeah. His right. name was already mentioned. Like Corleone, right? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but there's some fucking knuckleheads out there that, you know, whether guys are punchy or not, you know, so there's knuckleheads out there, but that guy was always nice to me. I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings, yeah. <laughs> but whoever it was, Marab was on the podcast. Marab was on this podcast already. He, he, he name dropped. So oh, it's already right, out there. that's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fine. And everybody, yeah. I'm also talking about guys that were managing them, but okay, we're trying, yeah. to, trying to, trying mm. to. So, you know, when he found, I think us, and he saw what our intention, he could tell where our intentions are. Like, what are, you know what I mean? We know we just want what's good for Marab. I don't, you know, we need, but he's another guy. He's just, I mean, I want to get that guy to just conquer the world. How about, like, could you picture Marab having the success of Conor McGregor? You think that guy will be smacking around fragile Italian DJs and the fucking, dude, you saw that. I got to bring that up again, but come on, man. I didn't see it. Is there a video of that? I, no, I only seen the headline. I didn't even want to look. From the guy and his girlfriend and the girl and the guy's fiance or wife or whatever. And she looked like some model or something. And they're like, yo, he was, 
asking Francisco, whatever the dude's name is, hey, let's go to the next club. And he goes, all right, let's go. And they punches him in the fucking face. And I, dude, I think the guy's got Why would he do that? Was So wait, the guy didn't disrespect him at all? Dude, I this is if you look at the guy, the guy doesn't exactly it's not like you're dealing with like it's not like an Italian guy like fucking Fabio and some big muscular guy. It's a fucking skinny little DJ guy. Gotcha. I mean, dude. I don't know. That's a bully. That's a bully. He's, He's freaking bullying. Bully man. Freaking ridiculous. He's a bully and a half. He go, he takes he the stuff he says is disgusting. Yeah, he and lost me when he punched that old guy in the fucking club. In that bar. That's it, man. I don't care what kind of how messed up you are and whatever drugs or alcohol you are. For you to punch an old defenseless dude sitting at a bar while you're was he a world champion at that point? It doesn't matter. The guy's obviously a trained fighter. For you to punch a dude like that, it's just as low as you fucking could go. That's like my dad or grandfather. Like, what the hell's wrong with you, bro? There's uh there's no status that you can achieve. Dude, we're all human beings. I'm not trying to get hippie-ish, but there's no status you can. You're a you're a world champion. You're a multiple time world champion. I mean, there's no status. You, and you're you're the same guy I know since I met you. You're a better guy. I mean, it's, this is what happens when guys get some kind of power, and we both got it. It's just different degrees of it. But like, is if some? I mean, it's what you do with it. Are you gonna? Are you gonna? Are you gonna be gracious? Are you gonna be a good? Are you gonna? Because if you're a good guy and someone's coming up and they're nice to you, you're not looking like you're better than them. Muhammad Ali said it the best. And he said he doesn't like anybody that is not nice to a waiter, to their waiter. Mm. That's how he would treat them if they're in that position. Like, you know what I mean? Dude, Pete Spratt's knee could have been a little to the fucking left and he would have been the first one. Hey, Mazabadal, I could have been decapitated. I could have been laying there like Ben Askren. I might have not have. This game, there's so many zigs when you shoot his egg, you might have a totally different career. Or Chris Weibin. I was uh that knee landed flush on me. <laughs> Yellow <Okay>. Marrow. <laughs> Don't worry, let's focus on Macedon. <laughs> oh my boy, my you fucking money. No, dude, I think about what you've done, not the that hit yeah. No, but you're right though. I I, I keep going though. I, I'm with you 100 percent My my point is I I I'm grateful to be where the fuck I am. So like I know things could have been very different. Like guys like us, especially like self-made guys, dude, we're self-made guys. Let's just say, let's just, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean we didn't get help along the way with support mm-hmm. and this and that, mm-hmm. but nobody ever said, yo, hey, Chris, he's fucking a hundred thousand to get over your, just to get going. Yeah. Just, because mm-hmm. nobody gave a fuck, dude, I don't know. I lived in the basement of my school. I, I don't want to, nobody gave me dick. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I earned this shit. I earned whatever it, this is. It's mine. I earned it. I can walk into my school and say, all right. No one gave me a dime for this. You know what I mean? No, I wasn't born with a certain name. I wasn't born into money. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, so I'm proud of everything I got, you know? And and if you're very, if you're a humble person, you know, people are just nice to you. When you get some kind of status, you get more people kind of like, really like want to kind of be nice to you. And mm-hmm. if you're a good guy, you're like, man, that's great. You know what I mean? But if you're a fucking douchebag, it comes out because you could be, you know, you could be a little, you could act this way, not way. And sometimes you'll get away with more shit because of your status, but you don't want to be that fucking guy. Mm. Is Connor, dude, is that guy happy? Does he seem happy to you? I, I mean, he seems, so. I mean, he seems all fueled up on shit, but he doesn't yeah. does he seem happy. I don't know. 
Yeah, it's sad to see someone take it for granted because he doesn't come from anything either. And for you to just forget where you come from and realize that it didn't have to be this way for you. You could have, you could still be stuck in Dublin, Ireland somewhere with nothing. And so when these people that you're that are beneath you in your eyes, you know, are coming to you for you to disrespect them and and to treat people the way that you're treating them is just like you lost yourself, bro. Man, listen, it can't all be about the money. It can't be. It just can't be. I mean, because, and as you get older, I think you start to realize that even more. Like, you know, we're not around forever. This world just lost Norm McDonald. I'm still broken up about that. I know. It sucks, man. I People thought I looked like him. Norm McDonald? No. A little yeah. bit. Do his voice. Hey. If, if I get rid of the beard, maybe. <laughs> I can do that. <sighs> but, uh, but he was such a funny guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? What else, Biden, man? It's eleven thirty. Don't miss your fucking flight. I, I know. I'm gonna say let's uh, let's end it on that. We're doing this again. I want to talk to you more about a whole bunch goes, of things. It goes by too fast because you you got one of the craziest stories of anybody I know too about everything that you've been through, kind of coming up. This is awesome. Just talking to you. This was awesome. This oh, is my best. I'm gonna say this is my best podcast yet. Can I plug a couple of things because I know you you. Oh hell yeah! I plug it all, baby. UFC unfiltered. Anyway, you get podcasts. That's myself and the great Jim Norton. Dana White looking for a fight on YouTube. I know it gets millions of hits. It can get a million and one. Could you please watch that? And uh, <laughs> that's it. SarahBJJ.com. Let's go. Hey, man. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that show. Um, Matt is literally the funniest person I've ever met. Um and I've been around tons of comedians. I have a lot of comedian friends. There's nobody that I'm around that makes me laugh as much as Matt makes me laugh. Um, so it was awesome having him on the show. He's hysterical. He's such a good dude, a legit family guy. Um, just very happy with the success that he's made for himself. Um, never, never lost who he is as a person. Always stayed grounded. Um, you know, I'm just grateful to, to know him and to be around him and to have him coach me throughout my whole career, to have him as a mentor, someone I could look up to. Um, just honestly, an amazing guy. Remember, if you want to hear more conversations like this one I just had with Matt Sarah, all you have to do is click that follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you do your listening. I've also got a YouTube channel. So if you want to watch the podcast or check out some videos about my recovery, please go subscribe to that as well. You have a great weekend, and I'll be back next week with another great guest. But until then, I'm Chris Weidman, and this is Won't Back Down. Thanks for listening.